This is the Nate Shellman Show podcast from News Talk, KBOI Boise. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk, KBOI. Oh, we got trouble. Right trouble here in River City. Capital T that rhymes with B and that stands for banking. Things, the, are, things are looking down, are they? Well, the uh, feds took over on Friday uh, a bank, the uh, SVB Bank, Signature uh, Bank, in, or Silicon Valley Bank, rather, right. in uh, California. You know, where a bunch of startups have their money. Mm-hmm. Startups, cryptos, and then uh, yesterday afternoon, Manhattan-based Signature Bank also was taken over by uh, the Federal Reserve due to... Problems with cryptocurrency. Yeah. I actually expected the futures to be down way more than they were this morning. However, part of that comes from the U.S. Treasury, Federal Reserve, and Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation announcing that they will make sure that all depositors will be made whole. reason why I thought that the uh, stock market would be down a little bit more, and it's down 131 points on the Dow as of right now, I thought it would be down a little bit more this morning than it actually is, is because shareholders will not be protected, as will not unsecured debtors, just depositors who have their money in the bank, which is what caused this whole thing in the first place with a run on the bank, people wanting their money out on Friday from uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Now, everybody's uh, insured for, I guess, up to $250,000. Right. But Mm -hmm. there were lots and lots and lots of depositors down there in Silicon Valley who had a lot more than that in the bank. Yep. So we don't know a lot about what's coming out of this yet. Is it... Is it bad? Is it really bad? Is this the first step in an economic collapse? We don't know. I really couldn't tell you what this means. However, what you just said, Chris, is probably true um, maybe of everybody who might be listening this morning. If you have more than $250,000 in uh, one bank, you might want to take some of that out and put it into another bank. Diversify, as I say. And, And the other thing, make sure that Whatever bank or credit union you are putting your deposits in, that it is FDIC insured, because if it's not insured by the federal government, you're not going to be protected if that bank collapses. And, and never try to pronounce FDIC. It's just, it's just letter. <laughs> the whole problem and what's going to be going on uh, coming up, President Biden is going to uh, apparently uh, address the situation a little bit later this morning. Um, We're going to talk with Jeremiah Bates coming up after 7 o'clock. We're going to talk to him an extended amount of time, not just about the stock market, but what this means for you and I. So he'll be here to just, you know, talk us down. Or say, hey, maybe this is the next step, Uh, you know, because it's already started (laughs) to hit banks across the world, not just here in the United States. Or he'll just leap down here with us then. So uh, that'll be coming up at about 7.05 this morning. Jeremiah Bates will be with us to talk about what, what we can expect, what we uh, will see this week. Um, is, is, is this like 2008? I don't think it is. But you have another industry that looks like it's in trouble in cryptocurrencies and tech startups because that's where a lot of this money was being invested. 
So we'll find out from Jeremiah Bates what his thoughts are. He's a little more versed on this and uh, talked to him last night and said that uh, he will look a little more into this, so he's prepared to talk a little extra time this morning. Also, as of uh, last night, in case you missed it, Boise State is headed to the big dance again. Indeed. This time we don't have to play in. Which is nice. Take a listen. A uh, lot of fans. I was really pleasantly surprised but how many fans showed up at the uh, Boise State Extra Mile Arena to uh, listen to the announcement. Second place finish in the Big Ten. They were 12 and 8. Who will they meet? Out of the West. There you go. A lot of fans at the Extra Mile Arena, arena for the announcement. I didn't understand any of that, but I know what he said, and it, <laughs> it, it did seem very joyous. Uh, a lot of fans are really happy. Uh, we will be taking on Northwestern. Mm. We, as in Boise State uh, fans, I, I don't have anything North, to do with the game. Northwestern gets to play a team from the Northwest. The... Uh, this is it's it's interesting because all the ten versus seven matchups and all out of all the ten versus seven matchups, yeah. Do you know how many um, number seven seeds are favored as of this was as of yesterday uh, in Las Vegas? How many how many seven seeds are favored? Well, ideally it would be four, but I'm guessing it's not one. Wow, Michigan State is the only number seven seed favored over a ten seed. That means Boise State is also as of right now, if favored. they change, favored over Northwestern. Well, you know that's good. That's that's great. If we if it, if you if, can if, if do it, it, yeah. if, it, if it keeps up through Thursday, yeah. The uh, other the other thing is uh, Northwestern. It, none of their players have uh, been to the NCAA tournament, and you saw Boise State last year. I mean, there's right. there's you're in a little awe the first time you go. So Boise State has. Um, you know, s- some experience in the NCAA. They're not going to be in awe this time, at least. If uh, if Boise State at number ten beats number seven Northwestern, uh, more than likely they would uh, play UCLA in the second round. Yes, and I believe correct me. I, we don't UCLA may be missing one of their top players who had an ankle injury. I don't know if they will be back in time for the first round of the second round of the tournament. If that does indeed happen, but that can only help out Boise State. Also, um, don't don't kill me for thinking this. By the way, uh, I think I'm in the minority. I a lot of people were upset that Boise State couldn't beat uh, Utah State. I happen to think it was a good thing. Is it a secret? Do we have to whisper? No, I think it was a good thing. It's it's kind of a secret. It's not a secret. It's just okay. I don't want to say it too loud because I think people are going to be pissed that I say it's a good thing we didn't win the Mountain well, West tournament. Really, depending on where people have their volume, that's how loud they hear it. I just don't uh, think Boise State needed to play three games in three days. You could tell that they were tired in the second half of that game. They played an overtime game the day before. They played fantastic defense in the first part of that game. And then, by all admissions, even the coach, the player, said that they kind of ran out of gas in the second half. And even if they would have found some way to pull that off, they would have played three games in three days. I don't believe... Um, they would have probably beat San Diego State because they would have had to play a uh, second game in oh. less than 24 hours. San Diego State, are they a 
are they a seven seed? What are they? Five. Five seed. They're okay. a five seed, which wow. shows you how um, much credence that the NCAA uh, gave to. Yeah, there's four teams in it. Yeah. Nevada has to play in. I think they have a good chance of, of winning against but, USC. But Boise State's in. Utah State's in. Utah State's in. State's in, 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 in San Diego State. Utah yeah. State was the other 10 seed, and they're favored. They're also favored. It's time for a check on sports this morning. It is brought to you by our good friends at Pork Valley and Cuna, the place to go. You want to get a great breakfast, great lunch. By the way, uh, they have big screen TVs. So if you're looking for a place to uh, watch the games coming up this week, the early games that get underway, you can head to Pork Belly and have some delicious food and watch the games. Your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. The best animated feature. Ah. And the Oscar goes to Guillermo del Toro's ah. Pinocchio for performance by an actor in a supporting role. <laughs> performance by an actress in a supporting role. Jamie Lee for achievement in directing. Everything, everywhere, For performance by an actor in a leading role. Brendan Fraser. For performance by an actress in a leading role. Michelle Yeoh. For best picture. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Academy Awards last night, yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once, seven Oscar wins last mm-hmm. night. And it seemed like almost all the rest of them went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. But uh, no, there, there were a few surprises, like Brendan Fraser winning for The Whale. I kind of thought with the amount of publicity that he's received this year for that, I thought possibly he was going to win last night for that for that role. I might be able to now talk my wife into watching everywhere or everything everywhere all at once. Now this is yeah, this is one of those odd years where I've actually seen the movie that won Best Picture because and I watched did, it. On, how did you like it? Because uh, our son, our son said it's great, and yeah, I, I, I just couldn't it. get Tracy to watch it because I, it's got sci-fi in it. I liked it a lot. Did you? Okay, yeah. deserving. You, Would you think? It, well, it, you do have to kind of pay attention to it. It's one of those like, in, like Inception and some you know some of those movies were thinking man's don't, don't, movie. Don't get up and come back after five minutes and expect to know where you're, you know where you are. If you were uh, hoping that there was going to be violence at this year's Oscars, like there was last year when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, um, there wasn't, and probably with good reason because of the announcement that Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> talked about to begin with. We know this is a special night for you. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor (laughs) and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. (laughs) Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel also had a, another part where he was talking about two of the people who were up for awards last night, both of them winning, uh, by the way. Take a listen to this. You look great. Everybody looks so great. When I look around this room, I can't help but wonder, is Ozempic right for me? <laughs> a great piece of Oscar trivia. 31 years ago in 1992, Brendan Fraser and Kiwi Kwan 
were in a movie together, Encino Man. Two actors from Encino Man are nominated for Oscars. <laughs> what an incredible night this must be for the two of you, and what a very difficult night for Pauly Shore. <laughs> the maestro John Williams, who is now the oldest nominee in Oscar history. John turned 91 years old last month, and he's still scoring, if you know what I mean. <laughs> how many Oscar... I, I'm curious of how many Oscar nominations John Williams has oh, as a composer. It's, it's, it's a bunch. It's got to be more than 50. Probably um, look it up here very he, He's absolutely amazing. It is pretty funny, you know, because both of those guys won. Brandon Frazier, that were in Encino Man, um, both won their awards uh, last night. So it is wow. pretty amazing because Encino Man is one of those movies that can kill careers. Would you care to guess how many Oscar nominations John Williams has? 54. It's, it's 53. Is it really? Was that a stab in the dark? That was a you, stab you, in the dark. Wow, okay. I just figured it was over 50. Well, you are correct. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to see anybody as a uh, movie composer scores movies. Uh, we're never going to see anybody the likes of him ever again, I don't think. Well, you never know. Uh, Randy Newman gets quite a few uh, nods here and there. Yeah, I don't think he's got 50-some. No, probably Yeah. Not. KBY News Time is 926. Our phone lines are open, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to take part in the show, that's always encouraged. You can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. And uh, once again, just a reminder, if you're worried about uh, the banking industry this morning, stick around. We're going to be talking with Jeremiah Bates. What the two banks who were taking over by the feds on Friday and then one yesterday, uh, what it means to you. The Dow futures are down almost 200 points as of uh, this morning. So we'll be talking with him just after 7 o'clock. It's also Bronco Monday. We'll uh, talk more about the latest win, the NCAA tournament. Bob Beeler will be with us coming up here at about 8.35 this morning. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 633, he is Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in. Remember, you can always uh, do more than just listen in. You can be a part of the show by calling us, 208-336-3700. Toll free from wherever you might be listening, 1-800-529-5264. You can also email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Coming up here for you uh, this Friday, start making plans. We've got a couple of great half-price deals, KBY sweet deals for you, uh, the brunchettes. The, the cool thing about the brunchettes, you are able to use your $50 gift certificate at any one of the three. Have they got yeah, four, yeah. three brunchettes. Yeah, two ones in McCall. There you go. So that goes on sale coming up Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Some great food. Amazing. The best... How do I put this? I, I was going to say the best cinnamon roll in a jar I've ever had, but it's the only cinnamon roll in a jar I've ever had. They call been, it bread pudding Right, in a let's jar. just put it this way. It was really good. It was really and, good. And, and comes in a jar. And it is available uh, at one of the brunchettes. Uh, you can take advantage of this deal or the other deal coming up this week. Emerald Lawn Tree and Pest Control. Now, this is a fantastic deal because it's a, a $320 value you can get for $160, and this is good for the entire year. So if you've had pests, problems with vols, mice, maybe wasps or ants, we had wasp and ant problems last year. I took advantage of this deal, and within uh, 10 days, I think, 
all the wasps problem that we had and ant problems, completely gone, thanks wow. to Emerald Launch. So if you want to take advantage of either one of those deals, they go on sale once again coming up this Friday morning, 9 o'clock sharp. The uh, Brunchettes, it's also another one of those deals that sells out very quickly. So if you want to take advantage of that, there will be 100 available. That's it. Once they're gone, they're gone. Uh, if you want to take advantage of those deals, either one of them, go to KBOI.com, click on the Sweet Deals link, Friday morning at 9 a.m. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, good people. Welcome to Monday. Good morning and welcome to Monday. Welcome to Monday. The day after daylight saving time, you're all messed up. I am plenty messed up. Daylight saving, not plural, time. Can I go back to bed now? No. It's Monday. Shake off the covers. Get out of bed. Let's get this week started. Uh, yeah. First uh, Monday after daylight saving time. Um, and you, you are reasonably chipper this morning. So far, I'm okay. Uh, it usually doesn't hit me until like Wednesday, Thursday. No. It'll okay. start. You know, last night it was like I had a hard time going to sleep until eleven o'clock, which would have been ten o'clock, um, which would have been kind of the normal time I would go to sleep. So, but I also am in a good mood because Boise State, you know, made it into the NCAA tournament. So I'm happy there. That that keeps yeah. me in a good mood. Um, the last that I checked my bank account, my money in my bank is still safe in there. So your bank hasn't failed. Well, uh, it, it also hasn't opened up. Till you know, what is it? Banks open up ten o'clock. Is that when you first go? <laughs> bankers hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm just kidding, by the way. Although um, you know, there there is a little uh, intrepidation fe- felt by people with uh, depositors. But Feds worked yesterday to say that uh, everybody who has money in the bank, and that's whether it's over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is all the FDIC has to guarantee, mm-hmm. uh, said that everybody will be made whole of the two banks that uh, you know so basically went bankrupt if, over so the weekend. So somebody had a couple mil in the bank, they they get their couple mil back. Yeah. All right. So at least that's according to uh, the uh, feds. Now, we'll talk more about this with Jeremiah Bates coming up after the uh, top of the hour. As of right now, the uh, futures continue to uh, drop on the Dow, now down over 300 points. Um, just about half an hour ago, we were down about 150 points and 200. Now, 310 points continuing to go down this morning. We'll find out what happens at the opening once again and find out how does this affect you and I if you were invested in those banks, Signature Bank uh, in New York, or if you were in the Silicon Valley Bank, it probably affected you a little bit more. But those are uh, a California-based bank and a Manhattan-based bank. Um, you know, a lot of us aren't going to be invested in those banks here. Um, how does it affect you, not just as a depositor, but also if you've invested in bank stocks? Because that's one of the things that the... Yeah, they don't get their money back. Yeah, the regulator yeah. said that they're not going to protect investors if the stocks become worthless that's you know kind of well i mean that's a risk that you take when you invest in the stock market par for the course they don't have fdic uh, insuring your stocks yeah so um we'll find out from jeremiah bates once again what this means Uh, he'll be with us for an extended amount of time we'll need more than just a few minutes to talk to him this morning so he'll be in coming up here just about seven 
1205. It's time for another uh, check on what's going on with sports. Once again this morning, it's brought to you by our friends Pork Belly in CUNA, the place to have breakfast and lunch or brunch every single day. Monday through Sunday, they open up beginning at 7 o'clock every day. And uh, also, some of the early games, of course, get underway uh, starting at 10 a.m. this Thursday and Friday. Looking for a good place to have breakfast and watch the games, the early games. They have big screen televisions at Pork Belly in CUNA. What a fantastic place to get your Thursday and Friday NCAA tournament kicked off. Good morning. Well, we look to Boise State men's basketball. They're back in the NCAA tournament for the ninth time overall, the fourth time in the Leon Rice era. With more on that, we check in with Bob Beeler. The Broncos were chosen as an at-large team, earning the 10th seed in the West Regional in Sacramento. They'll meet Northwestern, seeded seventh. That'll be Thursday at 5.30 Mountain Time. Coach Rice says playing last year against Memphis is going to be a big help. All five of our starters have played in NCAA tournament games. I mean, there's value to that, no doubt. It's called experience. And the first time you go there, you know, there, there's some looking around, the, you know, when guys have played in it before. We're still embracing it, enjoying it. It's a great event. But we also, you know what you're supposed to be doing and you know what you have to do. And Broncos are 24-9, and Northwestern 21-11. and The teams have no common opponents. The winner will face either UCLA or UNC Asheville. Our coverage will begin at 5 on Thursday on AM670. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. And we'll also continue to keep you up to date on what's going on with the Broncos as we get to that game on Thursday. You can continue to check that online as well at KBOI.com. I'm Rick Worthington. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. In into those phone numbers, toll-free, also 1-800-529-5264, wherever you might be listening. If you want to take part in the show, you can also email us, Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. You can text us also, same as our main number, 208-336-3700. A reminder that uh, coming up here just after news at the top of the hour, we're going to be talking with Jeremiah Bates. We have him on for a little extra time this morning because we're going to be talking more about just the stock market, what's going on with the stock market, what we can expect this week. We're going to be talking about the banking industry because two banks were taking over by the feds over the weekend. Friday afternoon, you had a uh, bank in California and uh, Manhattan Bank taking over yesterday afternoon. Feds have made an announcement that they will guarantee all deposits of everybody that has deposits, even if you have deposits above $250,000, because usually... That's all you have to. That's all that's guaranteed by the FDIC. My my question is, how many banks will this spread to ultimately? And that's a question we have for Jeremiah. Is this you know, or is this going to be bad looking forward? Is this the tip of the iceberg? Because all this has happened while the banks are closed, while the stock market is closed. This happened Friday afternoon. A uh, big sell off in banks Friday afternoon when this started news started to break. But we'll find out. Um, what his thoughts are on, on what this will mean, not just for those two banks, but the banking industry in particular and the economy in general. Maybe even what the Fed will do with uh, 
interest rates going forward. So that's coming up here in about 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Also on the way in the uh, 8 o'clock hour today, another Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. It is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with the Global Network, looking to get into a new house. Want to find out uh, whether or not you actually will be able to afford to do so? You might be surprised with some of the deals that are available out there for you. To find out some of those deals, how you can take advantage, call today, 208 888 4128. Question today has to do with the uh, Oscars that were held last night. This has to do with the very first Academy Awards. The man who won Best Actor, the very first Oscars, actually came in second in the voting. Our question for you today is, why did the Academy decide to give the Oscar to him instead of the actual winner? You know the answer. Stick around. After 8 o'clock, you'll have a chance to get a $50 gift certificate to R&R Barbecue, both locations, downtown Boise and in Meridian. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. The Biden administration insists the federal government and American taxpayers are not bailing out Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Officials from the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve say funds used to pay depositors will come from the FDIC's Deposit Insurance Fund, which is funded by fees on banks and then from earnings on their investments, like Treasury securities. The Deposit Insurance Fund currently has over $100 billion in it. Regulators took the unusual step of designating both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank as systemic risks to the financial system. This designation has not been used since 2008. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Regulators now guaranteeing all depositors of the shuttered banks will have full access to their money starting this morning. And no losses associated with the move will be borne by taxpayers. But that shareholders, those who own stock in the now wiped out companies, will not be protected. The decision coming just hours after Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushed back on speculation a 2008 style bank bailout could be coming. 708, Jeremiah Bates with us this morning. We're going to talk with him a little extra time than uh, normal because uh, we thought we would need it because there are going to be questions uh, happening this morning. The uh, Dow futures are down 223 points as of right now. Uh, Jeremiah, we got questions, lots of questions. Um, just to give you an overview of some of the things that I want to know about, what does this mean uh, across to bankers across the USA as uh, banks open up this morning because all this happened over the weekend. What does it mean for stockholders? What does it mean for the banking industry worldwide as a whole? And uh, what might this mean for possibly interest rates going forward as the Fed is uh, ready to uh, possibly increase interest rates? Could this cause them to uh, possibly maybe not increase interest rates as much as they were talking about? So let's let's start out. uh, First of all, what what does this mean to all of us who have money in banks? Is this is this a warning sign? It, potentially. Now, here's the thing with with SVP, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. If this is starkly different than what we saw, which caused the fallout back in the Great Financial Crisis. Now, bottom line is this was a bank run. Now, let's just look at banks in general. If you had every single depositor go to the bank and request all their money out, that bank is not going to be able to accommodate that right away. So generally, these banks, when they take in deposits, how these banks make money is what's called the spread, meaning they pay a little bit of interest to the depositors, and then they make their money on the other end by either loaning that money out, and then they collect interest on that, and or they get into investments. 
what we happen what we saw with SVB is it, it's pretty interesting because if you look at the the clientele the depositors that they serviced it was largely these venture capitalists these startup and technology companies in the in the bay area in silicon valley now what did we see back in 2019 2020 2021 we saw easy money plenty of cash swirling around and these companies were a direct benefit of it so you saw the deposit level grow tremendously for svb they then took that money and then they deposit they put it in what was called safe investments. You're talking about mortgage-backed securities, U.S. treasuries, and they were longer on the duration, meaning they had longer till they matured. Well, when the Federal Reserve, and keep in mind, we all saw this as just individual investors. If you were invested in what would be deemed as a conservative or non-risky investment, like a bond or a U.S. treasury, we saw those prices get beat up. Because the Federal Reserve just rose interest rates so fast, and it's the inverse relationship between price and, and interest rates. When interest rates go up, prices on these fixed income pieces go down. So here you have SB, SVB. Their depositors were very unique where they're in an industry where they they it's high cash flow. And then when the interest rates rose, these companies needed to pull more cash out. And then for SVB, the bank, to accommodate those withdrawals, they had to sell these assets, which were just getting completely pummeled in price. Now, where there's smoke, there's fire. There was rumors that coming out that you know these companies need to keep drawing more and more and more and more and more cash. And SVB, the bank, had to sell these assets at a loss to accommodate those withdrawals. Word got out. And in this environment that we have of how fast information gets moved, it was quick. The, the, so is that that's the, what began the bank run at SVB because yep. of of saying that, right? Yep. And then it's like uh, it's basically you don't want to be the last person standing in line, so everyone goes in to try to get to get their assets out. So now you have SVB selling these assets at a significant loss. That people investors caught wind of that, and then we saw the bank run, and of course we saw the the development happen there. So now we look at how this affects banks across the board and how it affects you as the person putting your money at the bank. Well, we know FDIC insurance for FDIC covered banks per social security number, per account depositor, you have $250,000 of FDIC insured cash. And then if you have a joint account, that's but that bumps up to 500,000. If you add beneficiaries to your account, you get 250,000 per beneficiary. So as for most individuals, if you have your cash at the bank, meaning should you go pull it out? I mean, listen, if you have more than 250,000 of insurance or you're above that insurance limit, then yes, you probably want to look at spreading that out so you have that protection. Because bottom line is if you park your money at a bank, if you're sitting in cash, what is the objective of it? It's protection. You want that money to be protected. You want that dollar to be worth a dollar the day you need that dollar. Well, you had SVB, you had plenty of companies that just were far beyond those insurance levels. So now, it's kind now of question. standard pre- oh, go ahead. Here, go back go back to when you say you want to spread that out. You want to spread that out, not just within that bank, right? So uh, here's a question that I have. If somebody has, you know, say $350,000 in in one bank, say Wells Fargo, Mm -hmm. and they have it in savings, can they put that $250,000 in savings and move $100,000 to a CD and then is it all protected? Yep, yep. And it kind of, it's, um, 
Let me put it this way. The FDA, because there's so many different scenarios that you can have to get to that insurance. All right. Like number one is the titling of your account. Is it owned in just your name or is it owned in joint name? So let's imagine that savings account you mentioned that has 350,000. If it's owned by two, two individuals, meaning you have two separate social security numbers on there, you have $500,000 of coverage. Now let's imagine that you have a payable on death or transfer on death beneficiary on that savings account. Just one. Say it's your, it's your child. Now you have $750,000 of coverage. So a lot of times, I mean, I would think for majority of people that are sitting on cash at the bank, you're probably falling under, under those limits and credit unions as well. So the credit unions have the, uh, it's the NCUA, the National Credit Union Administration. They also have a level of insurance that follow those estimates as well. But there's some good, tw- there's some, um, if you really want to estimate uh, your FDIC and c- coverage, their website has a pretty cool calculator where you can look up your bank name, you can put in the account title, how many beneficiaries, what the ownership is, and it'll punch out exactly what what your coverage is. So for most individuals, you're likely okay. Where this gets interesting and where I think things change in the near future is for business accounts. Because it's not necessarily realistic if you have a large company that you're going to keep $250,000 of cash. That For some companies, that's payroll for, for a month, maybe even more than that. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that goes. But now we're looking at the greater space of how this could potentially affect most banks. Yeah, the, the concern is a contagion effect because you have SVP where they had a specific type of depositor. So now fast forward to Sunday where you have Signature Bank where they were shut down as well. And Signature Bank, they catered to the crypto exchanges. And basically regulators saw the writing on the wall and said, nope, we're going to shut this down. Right. And then most individuals, they were waiting because if you have, F, when we saw this on Friday, if you, if you were of the FDIC limits, you're good. They are, you, you're expecting that money to be returned to you either in the form of a check or they're gonna op- you're going to get an account established at another uh, bank and you'll have access to those funds. The question was, what about the non-insured deposits? Well, the administration came out and you have basically a backstop, which I think is a, I, I think they really didn't have a choice because you didn't want to see a widespread bank run just yeah. from a strictly on, on all the banks, reaction. not just those two, right? You would have seen it on all banks probably. Yep, yep, you've right. seen, you seen all banks. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I uh, also want to talk to you about how this is going to affect bank stocks, tech stocks, and crypto possibly going forward when we come back here on News Talk KBOI. Jeremiah Bates with us talking about the uh, two banks taking over by the feds over the weekend. We'll get to more of that with Jeremiah here in just a few minutes. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk KBOI. Boise. Let's get Jeremiah Bates with us an extended amount of time this morning talking about the banking industry because we got trouble. We got trouble right here in Capital City, and that starts with a T, which rhymes with B, which stands for the banking industry. Um, Jeremiah, let's talk a little bit about bank stocks, tech stocks, and crypto. How is this going to affect? Because um, the bank in California... Silicon Valley, both these banks heavily invested in the tech industry, um, also in crypto, especially with the Manhattan Bank. Um, both of those invested in those two things heavily. How is that going to affect bank stocks today and tech stocks and also crypto? We're seeing bank stocks sell off significantly. I mean, we're really seeing a flight 
to safety today when you're looking at the pre-market action. So you're seeing these bank stocks coming under significant selling pressure. And if you if you look at the release of the uh, essentially the from the FDIC from the powers that be of the basically saving of the depositors at these banks, one of the key lines that they point out there is that when you're talking about unsecured debt holders and equity investors, there's no protection. They're just focusing on the depositors. So investors are seeing a writing on the wall and they're trying to get out of specifically these um, these regional banks. So you're seeing these smaller regional banks just completely get hammered as far as the stock price. As far as the, the technology side of things, I think you just got to boil it down to where, I mean, what's, what the size is, what product is offered. I mean, what technology company are we really talking about? Right. Um, I don't think it's going to have, I mean, it might have a knee jerk reaction and I think it's just going to carry over from the broader markets. I don't think this is going to be insulated just to technology companies, but I think that moving forward, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for them to have maybe easier access to capital from these banks that specifically cater to these types of companies. Now the cryptocurrency space is really interesting to me because I, I was anticipating those assets to sell off over the weekend, and it's been quite the opposite. You're seeing cryptocurrency across the board. I mean, you have Bitcoin up almost 8%, Ethereum up almost 8% over the past 24 hours. I mean, these are actually yeah, holding Bitcoin up Bitcoin is up 2300 bucks this morning, and I that's yep. shocking to me. Which is very interesting because you have Coinbase, which has, and we, we, we talked about this many months ago, where you have these stable coins that are supposed to track the U.S. dollar. Well, you have what's called USDC, which is Coinbase's version of a stable coin that's supposed to stay right in par with the U.S. dollar. It lost its peg. It was down to 88 cents. You had Coinbase essentially putting a pause on any conversion. So meaning if you had money in that USDC coin, you're like, oh no, I got to convert it to cash. They put the kibosh on it. Now, supposedly they're going to turn it back on on Monday, but interesting. I was not expecting cryptocurrency to get the lift that we've been seeing over the past right. few days. I thought it was going to be the exact opposite. HSBC Bank has... Uh, now, have they purchased a bank in England for a pound or how did that work? I um, HSBC... Well, because here's what we're seeing as far as um, I think the more interesting piece is what we're seeing with Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse is uh, a bank that it's solvency was brought into question around summer. It was about maybe about six, eight months ago. And that was kind of pushed to the wayside. And now we're seeing all of these pieces come back. And now you're seeing HSBC. They essentially came and left out a hand to acquire the UK's uh, subsidiary of Silicon Valley Bank. So you had so you had HSBC, a large institution, basically agreeing to acquire the UK subsidy. So of this Silicon is affecting Bank. other banks across the world, then, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're up on uh, time here today. Thanks for taking the extra time and trying to explain this to us. I think we learned a little bit here this morning. We'll talk more about this uh, as the week goes on. We didn't get to talk about um, how this might affect uh, the interest rates that the Fed may be raising. If this is going to slow things down, we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow morning. Uh, looking like we're going to open up down across the board, uh, but we'll get an update from an hour. Keep an eye on this for you and talk again tomorrow morning. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
741, rain continues to fall uh, across the Treasure Valley. I guess the good news is we are warm today, so could have been a mess if this had uh, been snow, but we're at 45 degrees right now. Expecting highs uh, this week in the 50s, overnight lows should be well above freezing for the entire week. So. I, like, I like this much better than when it was, you know, 8 degrees. Yeah, we said, we. I don't know, in case you missed it last week, set our record um, for 13 straight days in a row of snow. Mm-hmm. Ne- never happened before at any time in Boise, and kind of surprising that it happened in March, but 13 straight Did, days uh, in a row of snow. Was that broken finally? That was the new record, yeah. The old the old record was no, 12. No, I mean, uh, when was the 13th day? Was it uh, Friday. Friday, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't rain, or it didn't snow over the weekend at all? It didn't snow over the weekend at okay. all. It started to warm up uh, weather-wise, so... Um, that's, I guess, good news you can take from that. Don't forget, uh, Boise State men's basketball making another return to the NCAA men's basketball tournament this Thursday. Uh, you'll be able to uh, listen in here on 670 KBOI. Uh, Broncos will be in Sacramento to take on Northwestern in the first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Boise State ranked number 10 in their bracket. Uh, Northwestern number 7, 7 versus 10. Believe it or not, as of right now, latest was Boise State is favored in that game kind of a surprise as a matter of fact in all the 10 versus 7 matchups except one Michigan State is the only 7 team that is favored to uh, win their games now that could that's that odd. could change it is very odd that's odd if if a team is favored they should have a higher seed however we've talked about this this year this goes to show um how balanced that a lot of people believe the uh, tournament is this year that it's open could be anybody could win this one um you know 7 versus 10 very close 8 and 9 are basically you know toss ups when it comes to that and of course every year you always have a 12 yeah beating a 5 well and San Diego State watch out and once in history we had a 16 beating a 1 there you go that was when uh, University of Maryland Baltimore County or UMBC beat Virginia Oh, one of my favorite times of year, most people's favorite time of year. Uh, basketball action gets underway 10 a.m. this coming Thursday morning. Like I said, you can hear all the action beginning at 5 o'clock. Bob and Abe have the pregame 535 tip-off here on News Talk KBOI. Other basketball, NNU season came to an end, unfortunately, on Friday in San Diego. They got beat 78-64 to to Point Loma. However, College of Idaho is on to the one, two, this is the third round of the national championship for the NAIA. Good luck. Number one overall seed. They have not lost in 32 games. They will take on Xavier of uh, Louisiana today at 2 p.m. They actually had a guy play in the NBA years ago. Slick Watts. Remember him from had, Seattle? Xavier did. Yeah, yeah. yeah Xavier of, of New Orleans. Yeah. Um, so this will be uh, the uh, round in Kansas City. The first two games were played at home. Now everybody is in Kansas City. They'll be playing, and like I said, College of Idaho will be underway today, uh, beginning at 2 p.m. Go Yotes! Let's get a check on what's going on. Otherwise, in sports, we're talking all Boise State NCAA tournament once again today. Bronco Monday is coming up here in just about uh, 45, 50 minutes from right now. Bob Beeler will be with us talking about the Mountain West tournament and the NCAA on the way right now. This update is brought to you by Pork Belly in Cuna, the place to go for lunch, breakfast, or brunch. They open up at 7 a.m. every day, Monday through Sunday. Keep in mind, they are working on an all-new menu for you. Don't forget to follow along on Facebook. Take advantage of some great specials if you are following on Facebook. Selection Sunday was good to Boise State. They're back in the NCAA tournament this season, and they're looking for the school's first win in nine appearances in the big dance. With more on that, here's Bob Beeler. 
Boise State making a second straight appearance in the NCAA tournament and fourth overall under Coach Rice will face Northwestern out of the Big Ten. Tyson Degenhardt, who was named first team All-Mountain West, averaging 14 points and five and a half rebounds, talked about what he learned playing in last year's game against Memphis. You can't start out slow. I know that we hung with Memphis for a little bit, and then they went on that run towards the end of the first half, and it was just too big of a hole to get out of. So we just got to make sure we start out right from the gates, do it like what we did in the Mountain West tournament, but obviously play that throughout the whole game. Broncos are 24-9, and Northwestern 21-11. and The game is Thursday at 5.30 Mountain in Sacramento, and our coverage will begin at 5 on 670 AM. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. All right, so now you can get your NCAA brackets out and start filling those out. NCAA tournament also gets underway Thursday morning. As for Boise State, anything you need to know about the Broncos, we'll start putting that online for you immediately at KBOI.com. I'm Rick Worthington. Hey, just one update. I, I screwed up. Uh, I said that, uh, College of Idaho will play Xavier University of Louisiana. Um, I was wrong. They already beat Xavier. They will oh. play LSU Shreveport this afternoon at two o'clock. So another team from Louisiana. Another, yeah, another team right. from Louisiana. I just got the wrong team. So they already beat Xavier 76 61, uh, to move on to Kansas City. And, uh, now they will play, uh, LSU Shreveport this afternoon at two o'clock. Sorry for the mix up. Go Yotes. Still go Yotes. <laughs> Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 753-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Some interesting uh, news over the weekend having to do with those kidnappings and killings in uh, Mexico. You've got uh, a bunch of back and forth going between... United States lawmakers and uh, Mexican president and uh, President Andres Manuel Lopez Orbador threatened to launch a propaganda campaign in the United States against Republicans telling Mexicans and Hispanics not to vote for them unless U.S. lawmakers change their treatment of Mexico and apparent threat of election interference by the head of state in response to U.S. calls for action against cartels no. smuggling fentanyl. Technically, Mexicans can't vote for them, right? They can if they live in the United States and are uh, citizens of the United States. Well, which would make them Americans. Well, they? American Mexicans, yeah, Hispanic. Um, so that's who he's targeting, not people who people, can't vote people uh, who in speak, Mexico. People who speak Spanish, in other words. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, they could be bilingual. Said starting, this is his quote, starting today, we are going to start an information campaign for Mexicans who live and work in the United States and for all Hispanics to inform them of what we're doing in Mexico and how this initiative by the Republicans, in addition to being irresponsible, is an offense against the people of Mexico, a lack of respect for our independence, our sovereignty, he said. And if they do not change their attitude, think that they're going to use Mexico for their propaganda, electoral and political purposes, we're going to call for them not to vote for that party because it is interventionist, inhumane, hypocritical, and corrupt. I wonder how many people in the United States who can vote will take their, uh, you know, their cues from the Mexican president. Hard to say. It depends on how much millions of dollars they spend on their propaganda. True. Lopez uh, Orbador was responding to calls for action from Republican lawmakers, including a military action to crack down on the continuing smuggling of fentanyl in the United States. Last week, Senator Lindsey Graham called for the fury and might of the U.S. to be unleashed on Mexican drug cartels. 
Ram said that he intends to introduce legislation that would designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations and authorize the U.S. to use military force to go into Mexico and destroy the drug networks. Lopez uh, Obrador claimed in remarks that Mexico does not produce fentanyl and sought to shrug off responsibility to the U.S. Despite Obrador's claims, the overwhelming majority of fentanyl, which is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine mm-hmm. and can be fatal in very small doses, is in fact produced in Mexico in using Mexico. Chinese precursors smuggled across the U.S. Right. land border. In Mexico, but not officially by Mexico. No. Okay. Well, I mean, it's produced by Mexicans, but not Mexican government. Gotcha. Yeah, the cartels are the ones producing it. Mexican government has acknowledged this fact in the past and has made a number of high-profile seizures of fentanyl at drug labs in Mexico. So having him claim that Mexico doesn't have any fentanyl would seem to go against all facts. But he didn't say that. He said Mexico doesn't produce fentanyl, which means... I think he means the Mexican government, right. you know, doesn't uh, authorize it. Well, and I mean, quite frankly, I mean they don't prevent it. But yeah, you know. Graham didn't say the Mexico produces fentanyl either. He said they go after drug cartels right. that Mexican government doesn't seem to want to stop. So seems to be quite the war of the words. Uh, I don't know how it's going to affect. I, I don't. I don't believe Lindsey Graham or any of the Republicans who are calling for stricter drug laws it's going to affect their decision or not on whether or not you know the uh mexican government is going to be issuing a propaganda campaign against uh elections but i mean this is an attempt by a foreign government to influence elections is it not well it it would be if he follows through yeah um i don't know what type of sanctions um would would come if this does end up being or coming to fruition or if this is just you know threats being thrown about as of right now i don't know 208-336-3700 pound 670 on your verizon wireless if you want to weigh in you can also email us mike at kbui.com and chris at kbui.com also uh just curious um non-scientific poll here um does what happened with the two banks being taken over by federal regulators over the weekend does it cause concern for you and your money or do you think everything is taken care of with what the Biden administration announced this morning? Go ahead and weigh in on that. Love to hear your thoughts. Hey, from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 8.07, it is 45 degrees in downtown Boise. And uh, look at that. Big changes in the stock market already this morning. Yeah, it's even, in the green. Even with the collapse... Did not expect that. We've seen uh, about a 250-point swing over the last uh, half hour or so. The Dow was down uh, about 200 points. Now it's 55 points into the green cryptocurrencies, which still seems just weird to me. Um, for instance, Bitcoin is up twenty four hundred dollars mm-hmm. this morning, and the banks that are affected are affected uh, tech industry investments. From investment fund banking and also cryptocurrencies, um, Manhattan Bank uh, was heavily invested in cryptocurrencies. So, but we're seeing cryptocurrencies doing well this morning. Gold is doing well. Standard and Poor is up uh, basically flat. Nasdaq is up, and uh, as I said, now the Dow's up 171 points. So it just uh, jumped another 120 points while we're talking about. It. I should never keep my money any place that I don't fully understand. But on the other hand, that would. <laughs> Have me keeping it all in a drawer or something. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> You're not wrong. Keep it in the freezer. Um, th- this is this is interesting. You, we don't very often see bipartisanship in, in the uh, Congress. Not anymore, no. No, it, very, very seldom. It usually votes come down party lines. Um, however, for the second time this year, the House has a unanimous vote. Now, the first one was uh, the unanimous vote to shake a finger at China over the spy balloons. Remember that one? Yeah, it's I like do. they yeah, voted all. It's like, oh, you, we know what you did. And you know what you did, and shame, shame, shame on you. Wag, 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 wag. There we go. That was basically what the first unanimous vote was about. The uh, unanimous vote on Friday, House voted unanimously to declassify U.S. intelligence information about the origins of COVID-19. The 419-0 to vote was final approval of the bill, sending it to President Joe Biden's desk to be signed into law. Biden isn't going to be able to veto this one because uh, it's a veto yeah. proof. Veto proof. Uh, by the way, the Senate had already passed the bill. Debate was brief and to the point. Americans apparently, have questions about how deadly the yeah, virus started. Say, apparently, this is information people want to know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the order to declassify focused on intelligence related to China's Wuhan Institute of Virology, citing potential links between the research that was done there and the outbreak of COVID-19, which the World Health Organization, in case you forgot, declared a pandemic in March of 2020. Three years ago, this month. It seems like it hasn't been that long. U.S. intelligence agencies are divided over whether a lab leak or a spillover from animals is the likely source of the deadly virus. You've been hearing a lot of arguments that... There's no way this could have come from a stupid bat in a food market. Not even a smart bat. (laughs) Or if this came from a lab leak in Wuhan. Experts say the true origin of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, which has killed more than one million Americans, may not be known for years, if ever. Hmm. In uh, the rare moment of bipartisanship, despite the often heated rhetoric about the origins of the coronavirus and the questions about response to the virus by the U.S. health officials, including former top health advisor Anthony Fauci, which is he's really being hammered and criticized as of right now. The legislation from Senator Josh Hawley was already approved by the Senate, as I mentioned. If signed into law, the measure would require Within 90 days, the declassification of any and all information related to the, related to the potential links between the Wuhan, uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origin of the coronavirus disease. That includes information about research and other activities at the lab and whether any researchers grew ill. Ah, or died. So we got March. This will be uh, Biden has a little while to sign it. April, May, June. So all this information should be out sometime later in June. I don't know if we're going to see anything, but it's going to be declassified. Congress is going to have a look at it. Of course, we'll all get a look at it because uh, the news networks, (laughs) journalists, will all get get a hold of it. You know why you vote for that, even if you don't care. You don't want to be the one... You don't want that's to be the one right. congressman that is accused of hiding something that's Chinese. <laughs> that is so funny because I thought the same exact thing. It's like, you know, why why would everybody vote for this? Because how 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 much criticism would you take yeah. if you're one uh, or even a handful of people that said, "No, this is a bad thing." It's like, "Really? You don't want to see where this came from? Really? Really?" You're Especially- not representing us. I'm going to vote for somebody else. Yeah. 
So, mark it down. We are only three months into uh, 2023, the year of our Lord, and we've already had 100% participation in uh, votes passing in the House of Representatives. Wow, maybe it'll just keep going this way. Doesn't happen very often. No, no, it won't. Stick around. Uh, coming up next, we've got a $50 gift certificate to R&R Barbecue. Fantastic barbecue. Two locations. Uh, you got downtown Boise and in Meridian. It's the Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible Question. That'll be on the way coming up next after Bronco Sports Today. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. All righty. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. Once again, it's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, the only number you need to know when it comes to real estate. 208-888-4128. Lyle's going to get first crack at our question. Has to do with the Academy Awards, which, by the way, were just held last night. This one has to do with the first Academy Awards. The man who won Best Actor, Lyle, at the very first Oscars, actually came in second in the voting. Why did the Academy decide to give the Oscar to him instead of the actual winner? Well, the award this morning might go to the second place caller, but I got to take a stab. It was uh, Charlie Chaplin was scheduled, but then they had him slated to receive a, quote, special award. So they took him off the uh, ballot for best actor at the the last minute. That's a very good guess. That is not it. However, Lyle, keep All trying. Right. Keep trying. 208-336-3700. Richard, that brings us to you. The man who won Best Actor. Man, it is really loud, Richard. Can you take us off speakerphone? Uh, yeah. The man who won Best Actor at the very first Oscars actually came in second in the voting. Why did the Academy decide to give the Oscar to him instead of the actual winner? Uh, because the actual winner was a dog named Rin Tin <laughs> That is 100% right. The winner, the top vote-getter for Best Actor that year was Rin Tin Tin, the dog. The Academy wanted to make sure that people took them seriously, so they gave the Oscar to Emil Jannings instead of Rin Tin Tin. I would say that Rin Tin Tin still goes down in history as the more popular actor, as I'd never heard of uh, Emil Jannings before. Oh, I have. He was the first Oscar winner. (laughs) Shut up. Hey, congratulations, uh, Richard. Hang on the line. We've got a $50 gift certificate to R&R Barbecue. That's our prize all this week, by the way, for our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. Chance for you to win those uh, every morning. So keep listening in. Don't worry if you didn't get a chance to get in this morning. You will have more chances on the way. We'll take a break. Coming up here next, we've got news at the bottom of the hour. More importantly, we get to talk basketball. Some people's favorite time of year, March. I, I was coming in a little scratchy-throated this yeah. morning. I had sniffles, and I thought uh, maybe a little bit of a headache, and I, I told my wife, and she goes, oh, shut up. You just have March Madness. <laughs> She's right. I just have March Madness. Uh, March Madness gets underway this week. Boise State will be a part of that. We're going to talk about the Mountain West Basketball Tournament. We'll talk about the NCAA uh, Tournament coming up, and Boise's first-round opponent, Bob Beeler, will be with us coming up here next. This is Bronco Monday. Shaver, step back three. He got it. We'll discuss the most recent Boise State game and discuss the upcoming schedule. Now here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Bob Beeler. Uh, See, I just got goosebumps again. Favorite time of the year, March Madness. 
and uh, Boise State for the second time in two years. Picked as an at-large bid, headed to the uh, NCAA tournament beginning on Thursday. Yeah, it's a lot a lot of fun coming up. Uh, Mountain West was well-rewarded for their seasons. I was at the selection show yesterday over at Extra Mile Arena, and, you know, it's funny, your moods change as teams get revealed. Yeah. Like, whether you think... I mean, I thought we were in. Yeah. But the question is, are you going to Dayton and having to play in the first four? Mm. Or are you going to be, you know, safely into the field? And where are they going to send you? Who are you going to play against? And when Utah State came up on the board and got a 10, I figured we're really right there with them. Nine because we yeah. played them. They won two. We won one. Our were, regular season non-conference right, was <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, not only are we going to be in the same uh, region in Sacramento, at least the same spot. Uh, they're going to be in one of the other regions mm-hmm. when you get further than that. But I'm thinking, okay, we're in pretty good shape. But then it kept going and kept going, and, you know, no Boise State, no Boise State. It was about and, 45 minutes in what, before Yeah, it was, it was in the last quadrant. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Nevada pops right. up as having to go to Dayton. Dayton. Yeah. And I'm figuring, okay, that's the second Dayton one, so Dayton's closed. So I figure, all right, we're safely in the field. We're going to be certainly better than... Because the other two in Dayton would be 16 seeds, which you know we're not going to be. Right, and then yeah. there was one other, Pitt and Mississippi State. The other two 11s mm-hmm. were revealed earlier. Right. You, uh, also, you also have to look... Um, the, I, I think the NCAA really gave a lot of credence to the Mountain West in the fact that they got four in, but also San Diego State is a five seed. Five. It was higher than was being projected also. So I think the committee really viewed the Mountain West as a, as a powerful conference it this did. year. It did. And and, and uh, San Diego State, they'll have to go to Orlando. They'll face College of Charleston. I think they can win that game. And then Utah State and Boise are both in Sacramento. Boise, of course, taking on Northwestern. Utah State is taking on Missouri. And then, uh, interesting game Wednesday night, Arizona State, Nevada are going to yeah. be in the, the play-in game in Dayton. Two guys from Nevada last year, when they didn't do very well, transferred. From Arizona. And, and they're playing for Arizona State, so that's going to add something to that one. So. The uh, other thing that I found interesting, um, and this could change before tip-off on Thursday, but out of all the seven, ten seeded games, only one number seven seed is favored. And that's Michigan State. All the other uh, games... Uh, Utah State and Boise State are both, both favored. favored. Yeah, oh, uh, Michigan State is the only 7 seed that is favored in the 7 versus 10s, which oh. I thought was absolutely crazy. But it also, Chris and I talked about this this morning, I think, Lens, you and we've talked about this in the past, about how much parity there is, it, we think, in the tournament this year that... You know, um, you you could see a lot of upsets going in this year's yeah. tournament. I think there's nobody that's a clear cut number one. Right. That you know, I mean, there there are number one seeds, but you know, nobody is like definitively. Oh, they're going to make the final four. And I think most years, when you look at you know the six, eleven, seven, ten, eight, nine, mm-hmm. I think those are usually pretty even. Right, and and I would expect the same thing. It's going to come out to who plays and better. I mean, and you can't really call that an upset, but anything above that, you can. Like if a twelve beats a five, mm-hmm. I think that's where they. Which it seems like we almost have every single yeah, year. Yeah, anyway. there's usually one or so. It's just a question of do you have the right yeah. one. So. And I think, I mean, even especially this year, eight. You know, a nine beating an eight. I, I think those are toss ups, and same with a seven versus ten. Those a lot of times mm-hmm. are toss ups. Not to say Northwestern. Isn't good. I mean, good grief! They beat Purdue, uh, one, a number one win. seed this year. Mm-hmm. So but, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Northwestern twenty-one and eleven, a school that has not traditionally done 
very well in basketball. They were tied for second in the Big Ten this year, 12-8. and eight. Their highest finish in the Big Ten since 1959. They were picked 12th at the beginning of the year. They've lost four of their last five, including in their two overtime losses to Penn State. Wow. They lost uh, towards the end of the regular season. And, of course, Penn State was the team that came on in the Big Ten tournament. And they're in, yeah. They had two all-conference players, first and second team players, first time in the Big Ten since 1964. Wow. And uh, Chris Collins, former Duke players, the head coach, has been there 10 years. This is just his third winning season in 10 years at uh, at uh, Northwestern. Their two all-conference players are Boo Booey and Chase Audige. Boo Booey? <laughs> Boo Booey. Uh, Boo Booey averages 17 points, four oh, and a half assists, it, number one in the Big Ten in free-throw shooting. Wasn't that what uh, Howard Stern's fans used to say? Into the, well, that you're going to have some fun announcing that game. Boo Booey for three! <laughs> and uh, Chase Audige is uh, 14 points and two and a half steals. Northwestern, much more of a defensive team than an offensive team. Which is good for Boise State, because Boise State's also a very good if, defensive team, but they if, have some if offense. Our, if our threes drop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I get your thoughts on, uh, I have a an, an unpopular opinion about the Mountain West tournament, and get your okay. thoughts. Um, I personally thought, I mean, everybody wants to win the Mountain West. Of course you would like to win the Mountain West. Um I personally thought that it was a good thing that Boise State lost to Utah State because they end up not having to play three games in three days, and you saw the difference. First half, they played fantastic defense and just kind of ran out of gas in the Mm -hmm. second half. I don't think they would have beat San Diego State anyway, and this gives you uh, an extra day of rest after already playing an overtime game, first game of the tournament, tough game against Utah State. um, I think the extra day of rest and recuperation – is going to be good for them because the the whole thing is to do well in the Mountain West. Right. They got to get that first win, get over that hump. I think this year, meaning in the NCAA, yeah. Not to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that was brought up yesterday at the press conference with Tyson Degenhardt and Max Rice, and you know they said maybe not playing another game, you know, wear and tear on the legs, et cetera. But they quickly said, you know, you're a competitor, you want to win, win the conference. But but you're you're saying that if you would have lost to San Diego. Anyway, what's yeah. the difference yeah, in, what's the, what's the in difference? bowing out yeah. in the championship it, game? Or, I mean, The win against Utah State wasn't going to help your seeding anyway. Well, correct? obviously it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. didn't matter, so I didn't guess. didn't matter. So it didn't matter anyway for the NCAA. Um, uh, I, I just, three day, three games in three days with the team, and it doesn't look like Max Rice is, I, I, he's never going to say so unless he's out, but it doesn't didn't look like in that game that he is 100% healthy. No, he landed in the first game down there on, looks like some sort of cameraman, best we could mm-hmm. tell, and I think it did shake him up, and I know he's had some back issues during the course of the season, I believe, so... Um, oh, was he, he? He made one foul, one out of yeah, two but, foul shots, and never I do, made another I shot. I do think, though, he had no looks. Yeah, yeah I thought I would Utah agree. State did a wonderful job taking him out of the game. Mm. Uh, first time somebody's really done yeah. that this year. Yeah, I agree. So that'll undoubtedly be Northwestern's plan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You, you look at the tape. If, if somebody has done something to you all year long, like for Northwestern, let's say Rutgers did something in January yeah. that was effective. You can bet Leon Rice and company will know it and use it, just like what Utah State did, Northwestern will see. We'll take a quick break here. Bob Beeler with us. It is Bronco Monday. When we come back, we'll hear from the coach and the players. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk, KBOI. 847, once again, it is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler with us once again this morning. 
Yeah, it's an exciting time. Boise State heading to Sacramento late afternoon on Thursday. We'll play Northwestern. And uh, started the press conference yesterday. I asked Coach Rice, you know, every year there's a game that makes a difference, and it was changing the lineup last year after the Bakersfield loss. I asked him if he thought maybe the big win over Texas A&M in early December was when he knew he had a good team or maybe another game. The A&M game was a special win, no doubt about it. But I think maybe the, um, you know, the way we bounced back in Myrtle and what we did with Colorado and the way we um, went on the road at St. Louis, that was an eye-opener because not many teams win in those kind of environments. And so I like, okay, we got a special group that can handle, a, knows how to win, figures out a way to win. So those, those two games jump out at me for sure. But the A&M game, because of the talent level, where, you know, I watched those guys warm up. I had to run back in the locker room and <laughs> because they, you know, they're a pretty talented group and it showed, you know, what, what they did in the, made it to the SEC title game and they got second in that league, I believe. And, you know, so I think those, that's when you started to see like, wow, you know, I, I know we had great character. I knew we had great chemistry and that's when I went, okay, we, we've got some talent. Too. I mean, you know, it's a different kind of talent. It looks a little different in some ways, but it's talent. Coach Rice also went on to talk about the experience factor gained last year in a tough defeat against Memphis. All five of our starters have played in NCAA tournament games because there is a, you know, there is a, I mean, there's value to that, no doubt. It's called experience. And, and the first time you go there, you know, there, there's some looking around, uh, you know, when guys have played in it before, you know, they're still we're still embracing it, enjoying it. It's a great event, but we also know what you know. You know what you're supposed to be doing, and you know what you have to do, and you know how hard it is, and how good your opponents are going to be. All those things that maybe if you haven't been there before, uh, you know you don't know it. But that's pretty good stat that all five of our starters have played in NCAA tournament games. One and of those- substantial minutes in you know they weren't just jumping in. One of those starters was uh, Tyson Degenhart, and he talked about his excitement on returning to the NCAA tournament. I'm excited to get back. You know, I think last year we just got a taste of what it was like because I think a lot of us never had played in a game in the tournament. So I think we have a lot of experience with all five starters being, you know, played in the game. So it'll be exciting. I asked Degenhart at the press conference about what he learned about playing in the NCAA tournament last time. You can't start out slow. I know that. You know, we, we hung with Memphis for a little bit, and then they went on that run towards the end of the first half, and it was just too big of a hole to get out of. So we just got to make sure we start out right from the gates, do it like what we did in the Mountain West tournament, but obviously play that throughout the whole game. Boise State gave up an 11 nothing run in the first half that let Memphis get out to a 38-19 to lead at halftime. And we'll finish up with Max Rice saying the team has very high expectations for itself every year. Every year you, you expect more and you expect to do more. So uh, I think it's becoming the norm in this program that we expect to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, obviously, we expect to win a game in the tournament. Um, we expect to win multiple games in the tournament. So uh, it's just kind of how I view this program going up and um, how Leon's been building it and building it and uh, just getting these different milestones um, is super cool. And hopefully we can get another one Thursday. And yeah. if they get it Thursday, win the first game. 
He always refers to him know, as Leon. I know, I've I, never heard him use the word dad. I, I, never. I, I laugh at that because my mom used to be a uh, substitute teacher, and she m- insisted that we call her Miss Mrs. Casper. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like you see him do the same thing. Well, and Leon calls him 12. Most of the kids call Max 12. Interesting. That's his number. Yeah. And Leon, a lot of times, will refer to 12. He'll refer to him as Max, but he'll also <laughs> refer to him as 12. You know my son, 12. <laughs> <laughs> Looking ahead, guys. If Boise State does beat Northwestern on Thursday, date with UCLA would yeah. be looming on Saturday. Now, UCLA had an injury, didn't they? I think they had the two. Players. One of them they think might come back, and the second one wouldn't. But I would think even without yeah. both, I would think they would they, beat UNC Asheville. They, yeah. they, they tend to have depth on UCLA. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're one of the they're one of the teams that I think people are making you know if healthy, if healthy are yeah. making a case. And somebody said you know I, I, well the second you know even on the you know the the prognosticated brackets oh in the second round you might play UCLA or might play Arizona yeah. or whatever that's going to be a tough game. Well, well if that happens, we've won a game. <laughs> yes. Let's concentrate let, let, on the first yeah, one let's first. Let's beat Northwestern first. And, <laughs> we'll be dancing and, and, in the street. Yeah, Northwestern's not going to be a cakewalk. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. A lot of fun. This team has earned it. Um, you know, disappointing loss to Utah State in the in the conference tournament. But you know what? Last year they won the conference tournament and then lost in the NCAA first rounds mm-hmm. to Memphis. Maybe this year will yeah. be the opposite. And like I said, you know, they played fantastic defense. I was so impressed with how well Boise State played defense against Utah State. And, you know, you could just tell in the second half that they were starting to begin a little bit gassed. And, and I mean, quite frankly, they have seven. They're seven deep, basically. Yeah, but but five of the starters play better than 30 minutes yeah. every game. So, yeah. and, But Northwestern is similar. Hard to do back to back. Northwestern only plays seven guys as well. And their starters play the lion's share of the minutes. Should be an interesting game. Once again, you'll hear all the action uh, coming up this coming Thursday. We'll take a break, finish things up here. Bronco Monday, Bob Beeler with us. Stay tuned. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk, KBOI. 8.55, it is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler with us. All excitement this week, talking about the NCAA tournament. Uh, Best week in basketball all year, and for some, best week in sports all year with March Madness getting underway uh, Thursday. Uh, Take us through what your plans are. Well, I believe the team's going to leave tomorrow. That's usually the way it goes. Haven't seen the itinerary yet. Press conferences and practices over in Sacramento on Wednesday. Thursday, uh, we'll be on the air 5 o'clock Mountain with the pregame, and it will be on 670 a.m. only. 670 a.m. only. So people have to turn us on over there and uh, hear us from Sacramento, and then I don't know what time the game would be Saturday. They wait until the matchups are determined right. before picking if we win what time the game would be Saturday. So it could be a day game, could be a night game on Saturday. But a lot of fun, and I, I do agree with Coach Rice's statement, the fact that we've got five starters who all played significant not cameo appearances yeah. but all played a lot of minutes last year starters right. yeah. and 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 makes Smith a difference and rice came off the bench and played a lot of minutes so uh the, the lowest number of minutes played of a returnee is lucas milner with nine as and he's coming off the yeah. bench this right. year so you probably look for another nine or ten minutes from him playing a similar amount of minutes but uh, i do like the fact that it seems like milner and also um the uh point guard i just forgot his name whiting both of those two have played very well over the last they five have. or six games. Right. And you're not expecting them to be all conference players coming in, but you're expecting them to be solid. And yeah. I think that's exactly I think both what of them they've have done given. a good job. So yeah. I, I think it'll be seven. 
I think if you see eight, nine, it's probably going to be because somebody is in foul trouble. I, I would think that that would be the case. Yeah. I think, I think Coach Rice has got his rotation of seven. I think Chris Collins of Northwestern has his rotation of seven, and we'll see who's seven will be better. <laughs> Well, looking forward to uh, your call coming up here once again on Thursday. Uh, good luck and have fun down there. We're going to talk to you again tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning going to be gymnastics. Uh, they're getting set. Oh, good! To, I'm uh, so glad they're going to be at uh, the conference championship this week. We'll find out how they're going to do. They're going to try to get in the NCAA tournament as well. All right, that'll be coming up tomorrow for Bronco Tuesday. Phone lines are open right now: two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us if you'd like. Shapiro this afternoon at one. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. Well, if you ever wanted to see what a roller coaster ride uh, was like, all you had to do was watch the Dow so far this morning. <laughs> the Dow is up 200 points as of right now. About 15 minutes ago, the Dow was down 50 points. This is the third 200-plus point swing we have seen since it opened up at 7.30 this morning. Wow. So I, I all this has to do with what's going on with the banks, the two uh, banks that got taken over by the uh, feds, the uh, bank in California, uh, SV Silicon Valley Bank. Right. And then uh, signature the bank. Yeah. Uh, Manhattan-based Signature Bank got taken over late yesterday afternoon. The uh, government has announced that they will uh, make sure that everybody who has money invested or money in the banks will get their money, no matter how much. So usually the banks are only guaranteed by the FDIC, if they have uh, up to $250,000, anything above that is not guaranteed. However, they have said, come out and said that they will guarantee everybody's deposits in the bank, whether they had 300000 a million, $3 million, which a lot of times some of those depositors would lose that if the bank you know, goes bankrupt. Uh, however, they said they will not protect investments in the bank's stocks. So people who have invested in the uh, banks, both of which those is, banks, uh, are at risk. Yeah, I mean, which is normal. You don't yeah. protect stocks. You don't. You don't protect stocks because you're taking the risk yourself. You need to know those risks. Right. So, um, but a savings account not really supposed to be a uh, a risk. The two banks, by the way, heavily invested in technology stocks and technology investment firms as far as the uh, Silicon Valley Bank and the Manhattan-based Signature Bank, uh, heavily invested in cryptocurrency. Now, we haven't seen this uh, cryptocurrencies this morning are way up. For instance, um, Bitcoin is up almost $4,000 this morning. Wow. Ethereum is up. Almost all the, cur- the cryptocurrencies are up. So it hasn't had an effect on the actual cryptocurrencies as of right now. But that's the latest. It's just weird to see these huge swings that are mm-hmm. going. Like I said, 250-point uh, swings we've seen both ways, up and down now three times since the uh, stock market opened up uh, a little bit earlier this morning. One thing I wanted to get to um, this morning, we didn't have a chance to get this uh, on Friday. And I wanted to uh, do a little bit of this because this is a, a hearing that went on last week in Congress having to do uh, about the Biden administration's withdrawal um, from Afghanistan after two decades of U.S. involvement in the war. It's come under a lot of scrutiny about 
how the withdrawal happened. A lot of you remember here when this went on. It's like, oh, yeah, we, we're going to withdraw. We probably don't have to worry about it. It'll be a long time before we have to worry about insurgents and terrorists that would take over the country. We and, found out. And yet. <laughs> wasn't true. It took a matter of weeks for that to happen. And unfortunately, there were, was it 12 U.S. soldiers who lost their lives because of the Taliban and you had soldiers who were injured because of the bombings at the airport. One of those uh, people who were there, Marine Sergeant Tyler Justin Vargas Andrews, was a part of the hearing last week in front of Congress and gave his personal thoughts, opinions, and what happened to him. And you'll hear in this, uh, the audio that you're going to hear in this, you know, he makes it clear this is this is his thoughts and not the thoughts of the Department of Defense. Take a listen. Good morning, Chairman, Ranking Member Meeks, and members of Congress. Thank you for inviting me to speak to you all about my Marine Corps scout sniper team's experience during the evacuation in Kabul, Afghanistan. This is my perspective. This is my account and not the DOD's. I'm Sergeant Tyler Justin Vargas Andrews. I'm 25 years old and from Northern California a professionally instructed gunman and radio operator for my team. My sniper team was Reaper 2, part of Victor 2-1 Weapons Company, attached to Echo Company, 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines from Camp Pendleton, California. In June of 2021, after having just left Kuwait, we were deployed to Saudi Arabia as a show of force. We practiced a few small-scale non-combatant evacuation operations in the event we were needed in Afghanistan. August came, and two weeks later, we left for Kabul. Reaper 2 and Echo Company had a close relationship with the colonel of the Special Purpose Marine Air Ground Task Force. He kept us informed of the situation on the ground in Afghanistan, and we were ready to go, so we thought. Nothing prepared us for the ground experience we were about to encounter. It was chaos, but we worked together to figure out the next best steps. Tens of thousands of people descended upon Abbey Gate. We were looking for anyone with a blue passport, first and foremost. People were suffering from extreme malnutrition, dehydration, heat casualties, and infants were dying. Afghans were brutalized and tortured by the Taliban, flocked to us pleading for help. <clears throat> Countless Afghans were murdered by the Taliban 155 yards in front of our position day and night. With only shipping containers between us, the Taliban would routinely murder people under our observation at their checkpoint. We communicated the atrocities to our chain of command and intel assets, but nothing came of it. The troops on the ground had to tirelessly work to control the crowds day and night. Department of State staff and HKI would completely shut down processing Afghans every evening and into the morning, leaving ground forces with a nightmare. They did not work in reasonable rotations and very much presented an unwillingness to work in other situations as well. No matter our health or condition, the Marines stood watch and engaged in disorderly and dangerous crowds. State was not prepared to be in HKI. In fact, state would not want to deal with the Afghans unable to be processed. Weakening the security of the perimeter, state would take us away from our mission to walk Afghans out to meet the fate of the Taliban, condemning them to death. We received word to be on the lookout for two vehicle-borne IEDs, described as a gold or white Corolla and a green Mazda convertible. Around 2 a.m. on August 26th, intel guys confirmed the suicide bomber in the vicinity of and nearing Abbey Gate, described as clean-shaven, brown-dressed, black vest, and traveling with an older companion. I asked the intel guys why he wasn't apprehended sooner since we had a full description. I was told the asset could not be compromised. Throughout the entirety of the day on August 26, 2021, we disseminated the suicide bomber information to ground forces at Abbey Gate. He was spotted somewhere from noon to 1 p.m. by myself, then Sergeant Charles Schilling, and another. The anomaly in the crowd, who was clean-shaven and fit the description exactly, traveling with an older gentleman. The individual was consistently and nervously looking up at our position through the crowd. 
The older of the two wore a black silky hijab that was covering his face most of the time. They both had obvious mannerisms that go along with who we believed him to be. They handed out small cards to the crowd periodically, and the older man sat calmly and seemingly coached the bomber. Over the communication network, we passed that there was a potential threat and an IED attack imminent. This was as serious as it could get. I requested engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men. We reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Vargas Andrews described the withdrawal as a catastrophe, telling lawmakers that there was an inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence, unquote. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, you heard there the threats that were being passed along to superiors and not getting any guidance toward what they should do with the Taliban, who uh, they said was a imminent threat. Andrews, Justin Vargas Andrews was, by the way, a part of the Taliban's attack and was seriously wounded in the attack that killed 12 other people. Wow. Um, he, he will, when, when come back, this was in front of Congress last week, um, give the details on what happened to that. That'll be coming up here next. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 919-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Before we get to uh, part two of Sergeant Tyler Justin uh, Vargas Andrews' testimony uh in congress last week got an email and said why is this guy disclosing this information it seems like it should be classified information is he on trial or something uh no this is uh actually a uh not a trial it's a hearing in the uh congress uh, it's one of a series of hearings that are going to yeah. be uh, held regarding the biden administration's handling of the withdrawal and apparently what he's saying is not classified no and he was asked by Congress to testify. So, um, you know, he, he's he's not on trial or anything. Um, and he was very clear in, in this that he is giving his own personal take, his own personal opinions and not, not official opinions of the Department of Defense when he first started doing that. Um, wanted to get to the second part of this. He describes now the attack and what his fellow Marines went through as the Taliban attacked the airport in Kabul. About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor. <laughs> came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. We found the interpreter and his brother, born with American passports. They told us, five, told us of five family members still in the canal. 
I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm throwing 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. The crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. <clears throat> Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm, completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood. I crawled backwards seven feet, roughly seven feet because I thought I was still in harm's way. My body was overwhelmed from the trauma of the blast. My abdomen had been ripped open. Every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. <clears throat> I tried to get up but could not. Laying there for a few minutes, I started to lose consciousness. When I heard Chaz, my team leader, screaming my name as he ran to me, his voice, <clears throat> his voice calling to me kept me awake. When he got to me, he dragged me to safety and immediately started triaging me, tying tourniquets on my limbs and doing anything he could to stop the bleeding and start plugging wounds with the help of the other Marines. I was awake through most of it, screaming, moaning, and cursing. Please ask, uh, <clears throat> I ask you to please ask me about getting shot at the tower in Abbey Gate and how no one wanted my report post-blast. Even NCIS and the FBI failed to interview me. Ask me to elaborate on my ordeal post-blast and ask me about this one little girl and her family that I reunited. Our military members and veterans deserve our best because that is what we give to America. The withdrawal, <clears throat> the withdrawal was a catastrophe in my opinion, and there was an ex inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, <clears throat> and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. Once again, that's Sergeant uh, Tyler Justin Vargas Andrews and his testimony in front of Congress last week about the withdrawal from uh, Afghanistan. Um, email in says, can't the president order this classified before it was aired? This is embarrassing. Do you really want this covered up? Hmm. Wouldn't you like to find out what went wrong in Afghanistan? And I will also say, based on the horrific experience that this sergeant suffered, I, I think it's okay for him to talk about it. Well, yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear more of what he has to say. Yeah. I mean, this is just the first of many hearings that are going to be happening um, about, you know, what he called a catastrophe. And a lot of people thought it was horrific in the way with we withdrew from Afghanistan. Um and how quickly, how, I mean, 12 soldiers soldiers lost their lives, plus yeah. countless others were injured in the uh, attacks by the Taliban at Kabul airport. Your thoughts if you want to weigh in, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Talking uh, once again about the banking industry also this morning, um, we've seen um, three, at least three, 250-point swings to the good side and then back down to the bad side again. Uh, the Dow is currently up 200 points. Do you have worries about what happened over the weekend 
with your money. Unscientific poll from our listeners. Is it something that you will be looking at? If you have more than the $250,000 in deposits in a bank, will you be looking at possibly spreading that out? Because FDIC insures up to $250,000. That's it. If you have 300000 not going to insure that extra $50,000. Is that something that you'll be looking at today because of this? Uh, go ahead and weigh in. Just just curious what you, our listeners, uh, think this morning with all the banking news that uh, happened over the weekend. Also, um, coming up on Friday, last Friday, by the way, Yvonne St. Cyr, just to update you on uh, a story we were following last week, she was uh, one of the three Idaho people who were charged in connection with what happened at the nation's capital on January 6th. Her trial was last week, and Friday after our show, the verdicts were released. She was guilty on all charges. As uh, she expected. She kind of expected that. Um, sentencing now will happen coming up in June. Efforting to uh, talk with her uh, here within the next couple of days. She was headed back home. I think she is home as of now. They drove back from Washington, D.C. after the trial. So um, headed back to Idaho. Efforting to uh, talk with her to get her input, her thoughts on the trial and what happens next. What are her lawyers going to be telling her? We'll uh, talk with her, try and talk with her later this week here on News Talk KBOI. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. March 14th is the first election day on the 2023 Idaho Consolidated Election Calendar, and dozens of school districts around Idaho have bonds and or levies on the ballot. The CUNA Joint School District bond needs 66.67% voting yes for the approval of financing construction of a new elementary school, renovations to CUNA and Fremont Middle Schools, additions to Swan Falls High School, and construction of an additional bus facility. According to KTVB.com, the estimated average annual cost to the taxpayer is $128 per $100 thousand dollars of taxable assessed value per year based on current conditions. The district's existing bond levy is expected to decrease by $128 per $100,000, so if approved, the average annual cost to the taxpayer is not expected to increase. The Napa School District General Obligation Bond needs 66.67% voting yes for the approval of the replacement of Napa High School and Centennial Elementary School, construction of a new career and technical center, renovations and upgrades to athletic facilities, and renovations at Columbia High School, Skyview High School, West Middle School, and Central Elementary. The estimated average annual cost to the taxpayer is $85 per $100,000 of taxable assessed value per year what? based on current conditions. If the proposed bonds are approved, the estimated average annual cost to the taxpayer is expected to increase by $25 per $100,000 of taxable assessed value per year. So tomorrow is uh, voting day. For those of you who uh, think your property taxes are too high already, or for those of you who think that schools need to be upgraded, depending on how you're going to vote, you need to get out and vote tomorrow, because if you don't vote, you have no room to bitch. So let's see. People who don't think their property taxes are too high would be homeless. I live in uh, Nampa. And based on the projections, it would raise my yearly taxes by about a thousand dollars. That's a hard pass for me. <laughs> That's me. The Come other th- on, you've got several <laughs> thousand just sitting around. I'm sure. The other part of this that I don't like is that two of the schools in the Napa school district um, 
Centennial Elementary, Nampa High School, they're not looking to refurbish, remodel, upgrade. They just want to completely tear them down and start over again, which I kind of have a problem with. In your opinion, unnecessary? Unnecessary. That's my opinion. All right. Because, because I haven't a, been in the elementary yeah. school, but I have been in and around the Nampa school. Yes, it's not the newest, brightest, bestest school in the Treasure Valley. Do I think it needs to be completely blown up well, and just start have, over uh, again? Do they have a list of upgrades that would end up costing more than that? I don't know. I just I just saw it, you know, did the math myself and said, all right, this is going to be about $1,000 extra per year. That's in addition to any other price increase yeah. on my property taxes. So, like, for me, hard pass, no way. Uh, vote for me. Uh, your thoughts. You've got various other school districts who have, uh, that you're going to be voting on uh, school bonded levies uh, coming up tomorrow. If you want to weigh in, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Some emails uh, we got in about the uh, hearing last week uh, in Congress with the uh, Marine Sergeant. Does this guy think he is the first and only soldier with a horrific war story? You would never find our fathers or their fathers before them break down and cry publicly. If we found out what went on wrong throughout our history, it would cripple America in a bad way. There have been plenty of mistakes and egregious acts. This kid just has another. War is not pretty, and if you don't have to stomach for it, you should not be there. That kid volunteered, not forced to join the military, and it shows weakness. First of all, not a soldier, a Marine. Mm-hmm. And uh, second, I mean, he did see 12 of his friends killed in front of him, and and, you know, had his own arm shredded and everything. So uh, uh, I would have cut him a tad more slack than the writer of, of that uh, email did. But thank you for writing us a whole email. More on this later. That, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you don't want the same well, mistakes to about, happen over and over again, what do you do? What about me thinks thou do fuss too much? <laughs> you You don't want history to repeat itself. So you find out what went wrong. He, he claims this was a catastrophe. He claims they could have stopped the Marines from being shot and killed. And his superiors didn't allow them to yeah. do that. That would be frustrating. That would be frustrating, especially the fact that 12 of your friends, and, and you, you got to think that if they're serving together, they were probably yeah. pretty close friends. Your comrades anyway. You know? Not to mention that you've been horrifically injured and will never be the same again. I I think you cut him some slack and yeah. say, you know what? Especially the fact that Congress asked him to be there and give his testimony. I, I think you cut him some well, slack and you say, you almost gave your life for this country and 12 and people did get their life for this country. So yeah, you're okay. Way. And let's put it this way. Unless you've been through something similar, I don't know why you would criticize that. Fred in Nampa listening on uh, 93.1 FM. Good morning to you. You wanted to talk about the uh, levy? in uh, Nampa? Yeah, I just wanted to add that our uh, legislature governor just gave the school district an extra $415 million a year. Why do they need a levy? Thank you very much for taking my call. All right. Thank you, Fred. Good question. Brian in uh, Nampa. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Again, with that levy, I spent some time reading it just last week, and they're saying only a $25 per 100, but we know that that's because they're saying another $65 one per 100 is going to expire. Have you ever seen a levy expire and they're not asked to renew it? 
No, I don't believe I have. Thinking quickly. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't say for sure, but no. If you ask it that way, no, I don't think I have. So, so them saying it's only going to be a $25 increase is ridiculous. It's going to be a $100 increase per $100,000 of our property taxes. So don't let anybody, don't let them fool you that it's not, that it's only going to be a little bit. This is, re, this is completely ridiculous. There, there's no way that I'm going to vote. And just, I don't know. I had to voice that out there because. All right. I, 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 I kind of missed it. There's no way you said you're going to vote no or no way you're going to vote for that. I, I missed that. We, we need to not let this go. Okay. This, this is ridiculous. So you, you, yours is a no vote tomorrow. Oh, oh. Okay. All right. You got two people weighing in on the uh, Nampa bond levies going on tomorrow. Your thoughts? There's various levies at various school districts throughout the Treasure Valley. If you want to weigh in, 208 336 3700, down 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Oh, and just got an email back from the person when I said that they, you should cut the Marines some slack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he told me exactly where to go, and it's someplace I can't read on the radio. Yeah, Actually, okay. he, he told me to do something, and it's something I can't read on the air on the radio. So, is, hey, it, but, is it something physically impossible? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, but thank you, thank you for your input. Classy. Sorry you didn't like my opinion. I classy read your ind- opinion. Classy individual. Yes. Uh, Jim writes in and says, "Let's not forget that the U.S. military leadership recommended the withdrawal based on." A false estimate that the Afghan military could hold the country for at least six months. Biden acted on the military's recommendation. Sounded like the military, you know, might not have had the best intel. Because that was, that was the big thing with, with Biden and the withdrawal is, you know, saying that we wouldn't see problems with the Taliban coming in back into Afghanistan for at least six months. Well, if that would have happened, we would have had the chance to get all the military out of there, all of the uh, Afghan people who didn't want to be there, you know, with the uh, Taliban entering back into the country, if the six-month period would have been met. Unfortunately, it was a matter of weeks instead of six months that the Taliban took over the country again. And at that point, then it was just almost impossible to get everybody out, as, as we saw, that wanted to get out. And there were a lot of people that were killed, mm-hmm. especially the uh, Afghans who were sympathetic to the U.S. They were just put to death. There are some instant messages on a few different subjects. This one's not signed, but the individual says, I wonder if these banks in question uh, are an attack from China somehow. Well, we don't have any proof of that. I, I, I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily with China. I mean... From what we've heard so far, and the Silicon Valley Bank heavily invested in the tech sector, somewhat, not a whole lot in the cryptocurrency, but heavily mm-hmm. in the tech sector. And when I say they're invested, they are giving loans to investment firms who spend their money on technology. Um, this is something we're going to talk about, Jeremiah Bates, tomorrow with tomorrow, because does wanted to find out, does the interest rate raised by the federal by the uh, feds over the last year does that have something to do is is it causing a problem and and also where are we going to see the fed fall on uh interest rate raises where they've said they've already looking at at least a 50 cent uh, percent uh, basis point raise in their next interest rate increase 
does this slow them down because of the problems that we're starting to see in the banking industry? Does it, mm-hmm. do they go, okay, we've got to slow this down because we don't want to cause this to happen to, you know, a dozen other banks? Just to keep, keep in mind, the Silicon Valley Bank was the second largest bank ever to fail and the Manhattan based signature bank is the third largest, wow. largest bank in history to ever fail. After Lehman Brothers. Af- yeah. A- after back in 2008. Yeah. Uh, Scott wrote in, and uh, it's, a, it's a completely different subject, but also interesting. He says, uh, did you know the Biden administration just approved the massive Willow drilling project, oil drilling project in Alaska? It has angered climate advocates and sets the stage for a court challenge. Doesn't everything these days? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if you're going to be tr- uh, truthful have, about it. People have complained about the fact that... Uh, you know, they said Biden cut off all the drilling and things like that. Well, apparently, uh, he approved uh, at least uh, one big project in Alaska. Yeah, that happened what over the weekend. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pounds six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Uh, want to weigh in? Final chance to do that. Final segment on the way here. Next, don't go away. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 949, text message in at 208-336-3700, says, I will not critique a man who chose to serve our country for having honest emotions. I thank him for his service and wish him nothing but the best for his future. Just because he's a Marine doesn't mean that he is not human. Here, here. Uh, another uh, email that uh, doesn't think the same way you and I do uh, says, I am not criticizing the Marine for being a Marine. I'm criticizing the way he is exposing our military for mistakes made. It should be kept within our military and not aired publicly. Wholeheartedly disagree with you. Yeah. Transparency is the best sanitizer. Yeah. If, if you're not giving away military secrets and simply reporting what already happened, in a place where we we knew you know there was an explosion, we knew that uh, there was a suicide bomber right there. Uh, we knew mistakes a, you know. were made. Um, I would ask you this question: Do you wish the same thing would have happened with Vietnam? Do you wish the military would have just kept all that a secret, so we never would have found out what our leaders, what the military, what uh, the, numerous presidents did answer, to keep us in Vietnam? The answer to that might be yes. You never know. Frank says, uh, "Good morning, gentlemen." I am of the opinion that the way we fund our schools needs a hard reset. As someone who has worked in the construction industry for the last 26 years in the Valley, I see the money that is dumped into these facilities every year. Every year during the summer, we go in and replace equipment, millions of dollars in heating and air upgrades. Sorry about the voice. Uh, Waste everywhere you look. When I attended public school here, we had no air conditioning and a radiant heater by the window. I think it's time we look at the difference between needs and wants in our schools. Thank you, Frank. John writes in, email at mikeykboi.com, school bond slash levy, and wanting more dollars like you, like me, H-E double toothpicks. No. Especially when they want to use the funds for a third type of bathroom. When they come back to reality and want to use the funds wisely, maybe I'll think about voting for yes. Bruce says in the context of the Afghanistan withdrawal, a number of interviews of high-level military officials were aired predictably only by conservative media. In summary, Trump had a firm understanding with Taliban leaders based on signed negotiations and undergirded by the personal promise of massive repercussions should Taliban violate. 
A few days after the signing, the Taliban violated and Trump vaporized a Taliban military enclave. Taliban got the message. Biden capitulated. And I think this is what, you know, I know Congress wants answers to. But I think uh, there's quite a few uh, American citizens who also want answers to what happened. Were there mistakes made? Were there? Was it done correctly based on the intelligence that we had? Well, what, know, what, where, on, where does the fault lie? Based on what that Marine said, uh, a lot of people apparently weren't too clear on who was in charge. Yeah. Uh, Jake writes in, do you think uh, NSD, Napa School District, is angling to double dip? If the proposed bill to lower property tax will direct a percentage of money to clear levies and bonds passes, then uh, NSD might be gambling on getting some of them off the books and replacing them with new levies. Am I understanding the state property tax bill correctly? You know, that's kind of a good question because we don't know what's going to happen in the legislature. Legislature's got a couple of weeks. Now, the the vote, the election has to happen um, on the 14th by law. But what happens if Congress, or not Congress, if the legislature does pass uh, the bill that has been proposed and we don't have, you know, to worry about bond levies and it, it gets funded another way? I mean, there's a lot of questions that are happening there. That's kind of why I asked the question this morning, and we can we can talk a little bit more about it tomorrow as we run out of time today, but kind of the question why I asked today, you know, uh, it, does it make a difference with what Congress... Or with, keep saying congress the legislature it's not that big um what the legislature is doing right now ahead of the the end of the legislative session we don't have a lot of information so are you going to be voting yes or no when you don't know what the legislature is going to be doing gene in meridian says please look at the rap sheets for all of the victims of the cartel shootings they're all involved in drug markets I did I did see that all of them had a very long rap sheet. And my first thought w- was okay, does that really mean anything the fact that they were going And by the way, we found out um last Friday that it wasn't a tummy tuck, it was a butt augmentation. So they were doing a uh a gluteal augmentation, so a butt lift a, a is a what lift, she yeah. was going for. Um does that does that make a difference? And I thought, no, it doesn't make a difference. They were still kidnapped. Two people are dead. But it does make a difference if they were involved in trying to get drugs back and forth across the border. Uh, we don't know that as of yet. We haven't heard if that is, in fact, the case. We do know that they do have kind of a long rap sheet having to do with drugs and other charges. Um, you are you are right, though, that if they did bring it on themselves, then it's a different story, but we don't know if that's the case right, yet. Right. The investigation continues, and I'm sure as we hear more about this over the coming weeks, we're going to find out a little more information on those four people who were kidnapped, two of which uh, were killed last week. That's about it uh, for our time today. Um, if you have more emails, continue to get them in. We'll uh, continue with them tomorrow morning. Chris at KBOI.com. Mike at KBOI.com. Other than that, we're on a 20-hour break to get out and enjoy uh, our spring break or spring forward daylight saving time. (laughs) News Talk KBOI.